All right, so all I need is just four dice, four d6, drop oh, the lowest, man. straight down. All right, strength through charisma. We're not messing around. All right. We only get one set. Okay. Daniel, what do you got? Uh, I got a 16. Um, can I put that in my charisma? What do you mean? No, I said straight. How do you Come get on. 16? Drop the lowest. Dude, I'm rolling 46. Okay. Right, okay. I'm, Daniel, I'm, I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to watch you roll your dice. Let's make no. it crazy. Come TR, on, man. what do you got? Uh, I have an 8 in my strength. Apparently, <sighs> I'm not a paladin a this time. Are you going to be a halfling? I was going to be a half fighter. Half How am I going to do that with an 8? You be a halfling yeah, Okay, somebody needs to be the bard, all right? And we don't have any dwarves in the party, so... <sighs> Dwarf bard, somebody. Hey, what? hey, hey, hey! Oh, oh, guys, I am, I am so sorry. I'm late. Like I am, I, I went out for diapers. And, I mean, this is a new thing. Like I didn't realize just how many types there are. And it's not even just the patterns. If we're not talking patterns or brands, I'm talking about types of diapers. Did you have any idea? I mean, what? Mike, what are y'all? Mike, what are y'all doing? I have three kids. We're playing D and D. What do you think we're doing? We needed a dwarf bard. I'm rolling what? one up. I well, hope I, you can write your character on top of that diaper box. I mean, come on. Where's your character sheet? Oh, all right. Hi, Mike. Hey, TR. Ooh, this is awkward. Yeah. Um, um would you like your seat back? <laughs> I think we can bring over another chair here. Hang on. <laughs> Let me bring up a chair here. and Welcome to Game Store Profits. <laughs> I'm your host, Daniel Fisher. Along with me today, I do have Mr. Jeff Robo. Yellow. TR Knight. Yo. And Chancellor Palpatine himself, Mike Perna. Oh, uh, Daniel, I have I have missed the weird random references you make trying to introduce me. I have missed these, yay, these many, many weeks. <laughs> Why do I have Welcome Back Cotter in my head now? Well, every every time we record, I was like, man, I could use this one. I could, but he's not here. I could use this one. I was going to say, uh, welcome back to my baby's daddy. Hey, now. Hey, now. Okay, it's welcome back to a baby's daddy. To a yeah, baby's yeah, daddy. Yeah, yeah. No, welcome back, Mike. It's good to have you back. It is good to be back. It is amazing. I have had so much fun with my little baby Noah. Uh, he has received so many nerdy presents already. It's kind awesome. of amazing. Uh, he has a blanket that says plus 10 to charisma, which is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, By the way, I'm going to throw out uh, an amazing thing. Like a lot of people sent me messages a lot. Like I, first, I just want to shout out to the, the regulars. I'm going to be talking about a bunch of what happened while I was gone uh, throughout this. But can I just say that the regulars community has been amazing? Like I, I, I didn't post everything into the tavern because like – a lot of people are like the taverns. What we're six hundred and twenty something people now. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't want to put all the different updates on there all the time. So I only dropped the one thing saying, "Hey, this is the state of things." But uh, so many people messaged me, even with just that one kind of blanket, "Hey, stuff hit the fan," uh, and and it was it was so encouraging. It was so cool. It was so amazing. Uh, I I continue to say. That y'all are the greatest group of nerds on the internet. And uh, of all the cool things that I got, all the cool messages that I got, my goodness, I now have a fuzzy little owlbear. <laughs> and and I have to be careful because uh, I said I have it. I I don't. It's it's Noah's. Right. It's, it's Noah's owlbear. That's right. Yes, it is. I can't keep that. 
That's... Shame on you, Mike, stealing from children. Know, Babies, man. no less. I mean, I steal candy all the time, but that's it. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I mean, I want to. I mean, he's not going to know. <laughs> no, uh, and Andy sent me a, a whole big care package of the stuff that, that they make. And my goodness, it's yeah. so cool. You know, you should put it up for when he's older, like 18 or 19. Yeah. On your desk. There it is. I'll, I'll remember him fondly. Uh, yeah, no, it. you guys have been all been so cool. But, it, you know, as much as I love my little boy, I, I love, you know, being able to spend time with him. And you guys have been awesome to make that happen. Literally, it went to the, the – uh, all my responsibilities went down to I had to do the tax paperwork, which because we're such a small 501c3 – that really wasn't that hard, so it it meant a lot of my time was being able to focus on my my family and and my new little baby, and I was super excited. But I'm also I'm very excited to be back. I have missed it. I mean, it was it was a little exhilarating. I'm not gonna lie. When I saw the message that said Game Store Province is a new post, and I'm like, I wonder what they talked about. <laughs> oh no, it was more like. I wonder what they yeah. did. <laughs> just, just do me a favor, Mike. Next time I offer you a gift of doing a podcast, smack me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. What a lot it's of been fun. It's been fun. What a, a lot it of people has. don't realize, um, before TR, guys, we were completely off the cuff. I, I, I want to say that... Not Mike completely. Would, well, Mike would say, <laughs> today we're talking about this, and then it would just we would let it flow. But when TR came, he brought structure... A very good thing in my life that I need sometimes, and 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 he did make some changes, and we're gonna push these changes on the mic as well, as much as he loves structure. I'm sorry, Mike. No, <laughs> no, in I'm all not. honesty, <laughs> I'm not. In, in all honesty, it it it's fantastic. I'm super excited about it because, I you know we've been doing this for a long time. I've especially been doing this for a long time now, which I just started doing the math on some of this stuff. I've been doing this podcast for a long, long time. And it's good every once in a while to evaluate and be like, what are we doing that's good? And what are we doing that can be better? And so I'm always up for making this podcast better because I love doing this. I hope we'll, I will continue to be doing this for a good long time. So I always want to make it better. Well, that's what I'm going to put on my business cards now. Podcast catalyst. <laughs> I, make, I make podcasts better. <laughs> that's no, my new thing you're... on my business card. Pod yeah, catalyst, a... pod catalyst. We're making it happen now. No, I'm the no, pod catalyst. Pod, podcast better list, better order. No, 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 no. Yes, pod exactly. Catalyst <laughs> trademark inroads ministries. Oh, I love it. I, I've missed you guys. <laughs> does that work if I just like throw that into the radio waves? I mean, does that trademark it immediately? Somehow, I don't think so. Uh, no, mm. slightly, but not a registered trademark. Before we get into all the, the other craziness and all the the shenanigans, uh, I do want to bring in. The one and only segment that I ever created for this podcast, which has has continued on, and I'm excited. Every once in a while, we like to look back, because a lot of times we end up talking about what's happening and what's new and what we're playing, which means that sometimes there are games that kind of slip through, and, you know, especially because we have a lot of listeners who are new to gaming, like they're just discovering what gaming is, we want to make sure that we put stuff out there that is older and isn't going to necessarily be mentioned on the regular uh, because there's so much out there. The gaming world is so vast and so ridiculous that you, you just have to bring up the older stuff. And I decided that since this is going to be my, my comeback to the podcast, I was going to bring the archive dive and I was going to mention literally the game that got me into gaming. 
uh, I could go old school. When I thought about this, I could go very old school and talk about things like Hero Quest and Battle Masters. And Hero Quest doesn't need to be mentioned at this point because Daniel will already link in the show notes the Bard talking about why Hero <laughs> Quest is the best game ever. Uh, Battle Sword. Yeah, Broad Sword. Battle Masters, I'll probably get back to. Like, those are games I played when I was a kid. Uh, but the, the, the game that introduced me into like hobby level gaming, like strategic gaming, is it actually a very simple card game called Ivanhoe. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you've heard me tell my story about how I got into gaming as deep as I have. Uh, it was actually in seminary when a PhD student who was 30 years older than me decided that, oh my goodness, I'm going to spend a couple weeks in a dorm with a bunch of 20 year olds. I really, I really need to find a way that these guys are not going to just think I'm the weird old guy. So every time he would, every summer he would show up for his couple weeks of class, he would bring a game with him. And so the very first one he decided to bring was a card game called Ivanhoe. Now, when he showed up with Ivanhoe, did he have like, you know, the Ivanhoe haircut, you know, that sort of thing? Because, I mean, we're all wearing it now. That's what you told us to do. Well, and... wow, that's an image. Wait, wait, I thought he said the Ivanhoe underwear. At this point, at this point, all I all I can say it's is I have a fryer tucked. And for me, I'm just thinking ice cream because our place here is called Ivanhoe. It's called Ivanhoe, and that's where we have 100 shakes and 100 Sundays. That's 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 a lot better than the haircut I brought to the table. Gosh dang it! All right, but Ivanhoe is based off of the old school like like Crusader like legendary knight, and the whole thing is that you are playing as knights in the middle of a tournament, and. The cards, in in some ways, it's kind of a trick-taking game, but it's not just that. Because a trick-taking game is, my numbers are higher than your numbers, thus I win. That There is an element of that, but there's a lot more strategy to it. Because there are different types of, of tournaments that you're playing. You have a joust, you have the sword, you have the axe, the morning star, and just barehanded knocking the snot out of each other. And each one of those types of tournaments is a, a color of card. And so you start off with one, the one knight who's the, the left of the dealer, and they have to play a certain, they can play at any number of cards in a particular color, but, you know, they have to at least play one. And that starts the tournament off. And then the next person plays their card, and, it, you know, they're continuing in the same color, or they withdraw. Or, you know, you keep going on, you can play as many cards as you want, but as long as the tournament keeps going, you end up trying to see who's going to get the biggest, the biggest numbers. And there's other things, like you throw in squire cards and, and aid cards. You can do special abilities, like, like I take out the largest number in your little area, your score area. You can mm. do different things like that. You can basically play stuff that changes the color. Like there's one card called Unhorse, which says, oh, this was a joust? No, now we're playing with swords. We're off the horses now. There's all sorts of ways to change it. And there are interesting things, too, that, like, you can play a, a maiden. Like, the maiden in the stands is supporting you. Like, you're playing for her honor. But if you lose that tournament, you actually can get a huge penalty if you fight for a maiden's honor and lose. I'm wondering, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of trivia here, but, you know, Wikipedia fact, you know, this is the, the Ivanhoe is the is, is the basis for the movie Night's Tale. So I didn't know if you guys knew that. So, I Loosely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great movie though <laughs> it is a great movie it is a fantastic cheesy amazing anytime movie. you can get queen seen into it. a movie it's worth it heath Flash ledger Gordon, at his finest highlander heath, heath ledger at his finest that's right 
So how old is Ivanhoe? How old a game are we talking? Is it still in print? I, it is still in print. I can. I actually checked. You can buy it currently on Amazon, and I've been really tempted to because in a lot of ways, this became like a grail game for me because of the fact that this is literally the game that got me into gaming, but I have never... I've never owned it. Uh, 2000 is an 18-year-old game. <laughs> Not too bad. It actually intrigues bad. me. It sounds interesting. How many people can play it? Between two and five. Oh, that's really nice. good. Yeah, that is good. I might have to look into that. It's a card game. The way it works is is that you the first person to win five different championships wins. Wins a dinner with... Um, oh, boy. I was going to say Heath Ledger, <laughs> but that was not good. That, that won't work. But yeah, um, so yeah, so the first person to win five championships wins. It's it's cool because it's got hand management. Uh, you do want to you, you judge like, okay, do I play another card? Am, if if I play another card, do I keep in this tournament? Do I still have a shot, or do I just withdraw and keep the cards I have for a future tournament? Like, in a lot of ways, it is a very simple card game, but it introduced me to this level of strategy. Like, I did have to think about the moves that I made. It wasn't just, I have a purple card, I play a purple card. It was I really had to think about the, whether or not me playing this card at this time is of value to me. And that opened up a whole world of, of thought about gaming to me. So Ivanhoe, like I said, it has quickly become a, a grail game. I mean, it's easily done because it's 20 bucks on Amazon, but if you know where I am financially, you understand that, yes, it's still a grail game. <laughs> uh, Ivanhoe is, it's a great little game, and I really think that it's worth picking up if you can. Uh, it It's showing its age, because it's been around a while, and, and there's probably a bunch of games that do what it does just as good, if not better. But for some reason... I, I will always fall back on the nostalgia of this is what started me down this road. Nice. And and it's well worth a look. Very cool. Reminds Very me cool. of the RPG Pin Dragon. Yes. Just the theme and stuff of doing jousts and court and everything. Well, that's cool. I'm going to have to look that one up because that actually sounds fun to play. It's great. I, I, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an amazing little title. Set me up, gentlemen, because <laughs> I'm, I, I've been away for so long. Now that we have more like plans and strategery, strategy. Somebody tell me what are we talking about this week? I'm afraid to tell you. Ah, oh. I figured with you being away for so long, coming back, you might have a little bit of anxiety. Get behind the mic again, there, Mike. A little anxious to take the chair again because you don't yeah. have a mic, Mike, like I do. I I don't have a mic, Mike. <laughs> You're not even using the mic, mic. You just well, the mic, mic will be converted to be over to the icon. snowball. I mean, so. Have we ever, have we ever explained the mic, mic to the people? I don't know, but if, if what what they need to realize is, I do, I make everything on my own if I can. If I can make it out of something else or trash, I do it. And I needed a spit screen for the old mic, uh, pop filter. Yeah, pop filter, and uh, I made it out of uh, some old pantyhose that I had. But I drew a picture, and, of, and he drew my face on it. Yeah, so it's the mic, mic. So it'll be it'll be going for those folks who are not watching video on our podcast. It's a blue fuzzy thing with a hand drawn picture that almost looks like Mike. That didn't used to be blue. It's got to go to yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get a picture now that now that we've been need to put a picture up. 
in the show We're notes. We're being better about bit. Now that we're better about show notes, we need to make sure we get a picture of the mic mic. Yeah, I'll get a picture of the mic mic for you. Send me a pic, man. Send me a pic. Yeah, but if you put a mic mic beside a mic, is that an inception? I'll jump jump from the call. I will not be incepted. (laughs) (laughs) So so speaking of fear, that's that's kind of what we're looking at uh, this time around, is how we as gamers have somewhat of an additional implement, an additional tool in combating fear and anxiety the ability to play games whether it's a board game or an rpg and try and work our way through you know some of the things that you know maybe real life might introduce to us and we might be a little more trepidatious to deal with than we would on the gaming field so that uh, that whole uh, drive it like it's rented mentality when it comes to rpgs you know you make a you make a character and you know what? I'm going to make a barbarian halfling, and I really don't care if I fling him at this owlbear. It's just going to happen. Right. It's it's the Leroy Jenkins effect. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, what do you, what do you guys think? Are there are there certain and let's we can start general and get specific, but are there some things that you guys use? I'll start with a general just to kind of set a tone too. It's also not just personal. You can also think of the culture. Right. Back during the Cold War, we got some great board games and role-playing games that were reflective of how we were as a culture. So I know we're going to transition to this into a more personal, but look when Price of Freedom came out. Mm-hmm. Look um, when, um, oh, what's the board game that's um, Russia versus America? Um, Twilight Struggle. Twilight Struggle, thank you. I was having a struggle yeah. with that one. But <laughs> the idea that those games came out in a time and we were reflecting on what was going on in the 80s. Um, you had Twilight 2000 came out Price of Freedom is a role playing game both really big um, the whole Red Dawn movie you know when when Wolverines (laughs) yes we all grew up on that movie avenge me TR (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite movies though as a child it is but it's that idea that even our game creation reflected anxiety and fear in society yeah yeah, movies, books, mm-hmm. right? That you know, war games when that oh, came yeah. out with yeah. uh, with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Come on, I don't want to play a game with that computer, man. <sighs> Come on, that'd be fun. Freak me out. I do it. This is the, I'll bring up Shadowrun again because I bring up Shadowrun every episode. <laughs> that dystopian future coming out of the eighties, right? Um, I, is this when I mentioned paranoid? <laughs> there you go. There's you mean paranoia? Movie. Oh yeah, paranoia. Paranoia. The big thing about paranoia for anybody who who isn't understanding what i mean by this is paranoia it recently got a re-release the computer is your friend which is really funny because one of the things that was interesting about this re-release is that one of the guys instrumental in making it happen is paul dean over at uh, shut up and sit down when it was originally created yes tr mentioned friend computer basically the gm (laughs) is the voice of friend computer and friend computer gives you jobs and every player isn't playing just a character, but you're playing a series of clones <laughs> because the likelihood that multiple clones are going to die is significant. Right. Well, I mean, with Hackmaster, it's the same way because, you know, if you're the type of person that gets a, that gets attached to a character, don't with Hackmaster. It, it, one of the rules is you have to carry a wheel or you lose everything because right. if your character dies, whoever is on your wheel in your pack is your next character. Well... The, the crazy thing about paranoia was was that you were constantly being 
trying to follow the rules that friend computer was establishing, but friend computer could change the rules all the time. And every once in a while, friend computer would accuse you of being a communist. And you had to prove to friend computer that you were not actually a communist, because if you were a communist, you'd be dead where you stood. Yeah, those early games, they really did reflect fear. They reflected anxiety. You looked at how those games were designed, and they were meant to kind of play on that. Right. Well, what, um, if you look at Ravenloft, not the horror aspect of it, but the the main premise of the concept of building your setting is making everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you make them uncomfortable, it, it kind of brings to the whole feeling and atmosphere about Ravenloft and some of the stuff I read in the past was that's what you had to do is make them feel uncomfortable not Michael Scott uncomfortable but Strahd uncomfortable well I mean I mean literally you're talking about a a system where it anytime you try to leave or or even if you're in the middle of some other game you can suddenly be in the 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 mists roll in and suddenly you're in Ravenloft you can drop Ravenloft in the middle of nowhere and it shakes everything up. You suddenly don't know where you are or what you're doing. It's my favorite favorite plot change. Yeah. So I'm curious. So we talked about how games themselves reflect fear. How do we reflect fear in our own game? As far as like instilling some of those fears or a part of our fears into like a character. Yeah. How do we do it more personal? Think? Not in game wise, but as in a more personal aspect. Well, one thing I, I can say that, and I see this a lot, and I especially see it when in those times when I can convince my wife to play with me. Uh, anytime I play a board game with my wife, I can automatically tell if she's going to like it or not due to how well she does. Oh yeah. And, and part of that's a joke because haha, you know, I only like playing the games <laughs> that I win, but, and again, I don't want to single my wife out because it's not limited to her in any way. I know lots of people who will only enjoy a game if they're good at it because yeah. they're so terrified of not being good at it. Like they, yeah. they're the kind of people who will always play the same game over and over and over and over again, not necessarily because they like that game over other games, but because they know that game and right. they know how to play that game. And they're terrified that they're going to not know how to play this other game and lose. So that's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm thinking about terrified of you know not doing well in the game or, or succeeding or winning at the game. It makes me think of how video games have transitioned over the years from back in the day when we first started playing video games. It was a three up and three down, right? I mean, yeah. that was it. That was the end of your inning and you had to put in another quarter or whatever to get, get another play. But now it's a matter of you just start wherever you saved, you know, except for some of your more difficult video games. But that it's interesting that kind of addressing that fear of failure to try and get more people to play is that, well, you just have infinite number of lives you yeah. just keep going with older you know in older video games for me you know, going with computer games you had to read the manual you couldn't just start playing a tutorial right you know you just got thrown in there like yeah what was that game savage lands i believe it's a really old game it was um uh lord britonica okay anyway but yeah you had to read the actual <laughs> manual before you even got a chance to play after you hope you meet the system requirements but yeah <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> The old system required. <laughs> yeah, but going going back to what Mike said about knowing the game and being able to play it, when I ha- have a game day, man, that is one of the biggest stressors that I have is when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, how do you play this game? Because I, I have over 90 games in the library that I have, and I try to bring as many as I can. I can't remember the rules to them all. And when I bust out a new game with the family, I have to break the rules out. 
It's not like we're some supercomputer that we can remember every rule to every game we have, but it's a stressor of mine because I do suffer from anxiety and being put on the spot because people think like, hey, aren't you the big game guy? Shouldn't you know everything about the games you own? I'm like, no, this is Monopoly. And, you know, it's that that's just my, my issue that I have with that sometimes is, you know, we had a game day at a church this past Saturday. It wasn't our game day. It's somebody else's, but I, I brought um, Dice Throne. It is my third time playing, and one of my scouts were there. And, uh, you know, he was beating me. He's like, oh, look there, Mr. Big Game Guy. I was like, dude, I never <laughs> said I was good at this game. I just said I locked it. <laughs> I just said I had it. Yeah. It right here. <laughs> well, one of the things that's really interesting to me, you know, we talk about board games, we talk about role-playing games. And especially in role-playing games, there's so many opportunities to kind of put yourself into a place that you normally wouldn't be. Right. Yeah. That that you yourself would not ever do the things that is happening. And that that can be for good and for ill. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to see when you're in that place like yeah, obviously you're playing the character, but in a way you're still processing. It's still going through you to figure out okay, now what's the decision I'm going to make here. Right. Yeah, and with uh, something I use as a tool sometimes when I do like run games as far as doing something that you normally wouldn't do is um, I love making pre-generated or not pre-generated characters, but I love ro- rolling characters up for other people. And so like with my daughter's game, um, we have a girl that is, you know, small in stature, very meek, very mild. And the first thing I did was roll up her character and she was a female ogre barbarian. <laughs> and she completely ruled those woods when I said you every time I, I, I just laid it out for her she's like I'm scared I'm like no you should not be scared of anything in these woods they should be scared of you mm-hmm. and, and that changed her entire mentality yeah. swing, swinging that club around and it, I found I found that like especially over the last few months you know I, I've I've shared I've shared with the with the regulars out there on our YouTube channel about my struggle with anxiety and the, the the times that I've spent playing role playing games and actually being on the other side of the screen, I'm not having to run the games a few times, and that's been nice to just generate a character. And it's not like we're playing through scenarios where I have to deal with my mother, right? right. It's not something yeah. like that. But it's it's playing through scenarios and being able to make decisions based on the idea that I don't have to fear consequences because it's obviously it's on paper, yeah. and I can always make a new character. But it also is it removes the inhibitors, I guess, within me that says I can't do a thing. And I'm I'm not capable of doing a thing. And kind of like what you were saying with uh, with your with with the young lady that became the ogre, the yeah. ogre barbarian commander of the forest. Yeah. It's being able to step out of myself and say, you know what? There is a part of me that is this little halfling barbarian, and there is a little part of me that wants to say, you know what? I can face this challenge, and I can, I can, I can charge it, and I can, I can make something of it. And it's it's something I like to apply to my life in as many ways as possible, is being able to overcome those kinds of fears. Well, we talked about this in a previous episode, the idea of social contracts too, because yeah. mm-hmm. different. If we're going to talk role playing versus board game, like in a role playing game, you have to decide. Some people play a very tense game. They do a right. lot of death is a very imminent thing. They have t- total party kills. I mean, every cons- everything you do has a consequence. Other people, 
me one of them. I play much more heroic games, but my players mm -hmm. know that. It is that time to feel that you're overcoming things. It is that time mm -hmm. to feel you're extra heroic. So you even have to know that if you're going into a game, if you're struggling with an emotion or you're timid in something and you're in a group that takes their gaming really seriously and that death is very possible, that's a very different emotional context than a game that's more pulp and over the top and heroic and, you know, it will fudge the die roll a little bit. You didn't die, you're unconscious. You know, that kind <laughs> yeah. of, those are different games. And I think when we talk about that anxiety, you have the mix of, like Mike said, the anxiety of playing a game you don't know. Like the first time mm -hmm. someone role plays, it's always interesting to watch that. But board yeah. games, first time you play a board game, there's that contract too. Is the game, oh, it's serious, we have to play this serious, and we have to win this game, or are we just around a table having a good time? Yeah. And that actually changes the attitude too. Like, do you feel I have to beat everyone at the table, or I'm just here to play, and whoever wins is okay, especially because we're all learning the game. So I think a lot of this anxiety we have to talk about is what's the context that we're gaming in? What have we all agreed to? Well, in, in that concept, that wouldn't more games where you would pass on your, you know, like have a ranking for your character, like uh, a Pathfinder Society game or Adventure League, um, you think that would create more anxiety because people don't want their character to die? Hmm. That's oh, yeah. Kind of, point. Yeah. You know, something that's formal where you're trying to keep the character going on and on and on, there are different levels of stress. Now, some people, that's not stress. That's not anxious. That's a challenge. Yeah. Right. You know, they, they step into that. So everybody's different. So when we talk about this anxiety in gaming, you know, I talked about the one. For some people, playing Price of Freedom was just funny. You know, it's right. just, hey, the Russians have attacked the Americas. You know, it's stereotype. It's a meme. It's funny. Um, to other people, that was terrifying. Yeah. You know, we may talk about how we like Red Dawn, but I know people who that movie bothered in what it stood yeah. for. Same That's way, true. you can play a board game, so The Grizzled. Mike talks about the grizzled. Mm -hmm. I have the grizzled finally, um, and I've played it a few times now. Holy cow! I've never had that small of a box make me that edgy mm -hmm. playing it. This is just a little game with little cardboard things that you're like, holy cow! The emotions that that game brings up. I get more upset about that than playing Pandemic. <laughs> when when I wrote when I wrote about the grizzled for our site, I mentioned the fact that the, there was one time I was playing with a, a bunch of us, and my my friend literally like had a legit moment. She was honestly tearing up because she drew Christmas Day or Christmas morning or whatever it's called. Yeah. And Christmas morning uh, is basically a card that says a lot of the stresses and stuff, you get to take one away. Mm. And Christmas morning uh, is the reason that card exists in the game is because it, it's in remembrance of the day it mm -hmm. was Christmas morning in the middle of trench warfare. And I don't remember all the context of exactly how it came about, but basically everybody on both sides of the war basically said, it's Christmas y'all yeah. let's not do this. And it's, you had this absolutely absurd moment when people who literally were, were shooting and killing and hating each other minutes before, we're playing soccer in the middle of a war zone together because it's Christmas and that for that one day they were going to remember that they were people. Mm. So this woman is is playing this card in tears because she got Christmas Day. She didn't have to worry anymore. And that's that's a powerful message to know that games can 
games can connect with us on an emotional level. You know, somebody else besides this player at your table may have reacted differently. And obviously games are well written and can be, you know, well designed and can evoke those emotions on on the regular, like something right. like the Grizzled. But it's it's an interesting thing to see how various games can evoke emotion, can draw forth things that you normally wouldn't express, you know, away from the table. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Each game is just, it's so different, too, because each person's personality is different. Some people get emotional when they're playing a modern game. So you play a game that's more today, it's more current, you feel more attached. Where you play a fantasy game, you can detach more. But yet, you get some people who are so into that magical world and everything. So, again, it's it's interesting that emotions, so like... Unless you really understand the World War in the Trenches, for some people, the Grizzled would just be a mechanical game. They don't get the emotion that that game is putting across. Same way Pandemic. If you really know what Pandemic is and you play it with a group that gets into it, it can really get exciting and really scary and upsetting, especially when you start playing the Legacy versions. Because you really do Mm -hmm. feel it's you trying to save the world. And that little bit of anxiety kicks in and you're like, I'm just playing a game. Why am I anxious right now? And, yeah. and same with role-playing. A really good storyteller telling a really good story about you know the farm that needs saved or the kingdom that needs saved. Or, there are things that can pull you in emotion, like a good story, a good description. And so I think that's the interesting thing is the games, it's just cardboard, it's just paper, it's just dice, it's people around a table or on digital. But we can bring both our personal experiences and our emotional challenges, burdens, whatever we've got into that game. But the storyteller and the theme of the game bring their own emotions as well. Yeah, everything everything comes together when you're bringing like like it's not just a thing or you know whatever or somebody else. It's all of it. It's everything coming together. I I still talk about the fact that there, the the one time I played. And then we held hands with my wife mm-hmm. and she looks at it just as a puzzle. She's like, oh, OK, well, I, I ma- match these colors with these cards and, and we either succeed or we fail, whatever. Who cares? I broke down crying and apologizing to her because as she's just seeing colors and cards, I'm seeing I I'm taking from you when you have nothing to give me. I am a terrible human being. I am not even kind of cons- beginning to consider your your needs and your wants as we're, and and she's like, what What are you worried? About? What are you doing? I don't want this game. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to play this game ever. No, no. <laughs> don't play Fog of Love either. Then. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea how badly I want to play Fog of Love. <laughs> and, and so, so that and that's that's. I think we're talking about also the emotional context going in two different directions right the games that evoke the emotions right like your your mm-hmm. uh your grizzled fog of love um and so we and, and then we held hands i always yes. get that mm-hmm. i always get that mixed up but then we have and then mike you mentioned tr you kind of touched on it too the emotions that we bring to the table mm-hmm. and the, and kind of coming back to that uh social contract of saying you know man, you know, I, I had a really rough day and somebody else at the other table says, yeah, man, I, I really had a rough day. And, and, you know, hey, you know what? I know we're going to play, you know, scratch in whichever game is super serious. You guys mind if we play something silly? Yep. You guys mind if we have a little catharsis? And Been there, just, done that. Yeah. Right? You know, you, let's you know, let's play uh, 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 Paranoia or let's, you know, let's play one of these games that just is just bonkers. Yeah. 
to to kind of have that cathartic release. That's often where role playing night becomes board game night. Yeah, our board game of choice back then was Arkham Horror, and it didn't really help. <laughs> <laughs> See, at that point, we're pulling out things like King of Tokyo, Kaiju yeah, Crush, you know, something that just something blows off crazy. steam. And give, but yeah, give me a yeah. happy salmon. <laughs> but you do, you get those moments. Like we always have the the first bit of game night for my group is we have snacks. We talk about work or life a little bit. When we sit down at the table, we try to say, okay, it's game time, it's go time, whatever we're doing. Yeah. But there are nights you're like, I can't do it. I, I can't play yeah. time. I want to be yeah. with you. I want to be with you know the game group. I want to share with you. But you're like, I, I don't have the emotional. And what's a kind of a bad side of that, and I've seen it happen too, is, is when one of your group doesn't share that. When they keep mm. it to themselves, and then about two-thirds of the way through the night, you're realizing they're different tonight. Whether they're playing a board game, a role-playing game, they're like completely out of character. Their tactics are odd. And then it dawns mm-hmm. on you that something's bugging them. And then you got to figure out whether you're running a game as a storyteller or a board game, how do you back out of that to help them? How do you read that emotion in a way that you can make it better? And what's great about that is the, the idea that you're around that table, right? Mm-hmm. And you're sensing it. You're seeing it. You're, you're not alone. In that instance, being able to say that, yeah, like you're you're off your game, or you're 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 usually your character's really boisterous. How come you're not boisterous? You know what's going on? Can we all like let's take a snack break and talk about this? Let's you know do we need to bring out King of Tokyo, or do we need to just go and play Halo or something like that? (laughs) Just put this away and just blast some aliens. The the gaming experience, especially when it's it's a communal experience. Um, especially when you've had time with the players around the table, or even if you haven't had a lot of time with the players around the table, it's still an opportunity to realize you're not alone. And, and that's where, that's where fear and anxiety resides. Mm -hmm. It, it, it resides in the alone time, the time when reality is completely distorted into something absolutely insane. When your brain runs. Yeah. Your brain runs, you know, the brain runs. That's it's gross, but it's also very, uh, very true. The idea that you know, I can sit back and I could be just saying, I love lamp. I love lamp. And then all of a sudden, here comes this thought that says, oh, yeah, but you're about to fail in this situation. Yeah. And off it goes. There goes your brain runs. It's get a change of clothes because you're about to make a mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty bad. So being being able to be around the table with somebody, or even on a on a Skype call like what we're doing right now, it's a it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity to realize you're not alone. And even if you're that person, Tr, like you're mentioning, that that isn't sharing around the table, and maybe you don't feel quite comfortable to share around the table, bottle that up as much as you can, but open up the to the idea that you're not alone, and remember that you're not alone, that you're connecting with people there, and I. I've found in at over the last few months it's been insanely beneficial. Insanely beneficial. It's kept me out of some really dark places being able to be around people like you guys and and to say, you know what, I'm not feeling the best I ever did. You know, can we sit here and pray for a little bit and then yeah, let's get to gaming. Let's get out of this. Well it, it you'd be amazed too, a lot of times like a lot of times you talk about it's funny because we're talking about fear and there are sometimes mm-hmm. that people are honestly f- afraid to talk about the fact that they're afraid. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed, like I did a small group all through the fall of this past year where 
because of the fact that it was at a church and it was a quote unquote church small group, they're like, okay, you can't just play games. You do need to do something more churchy with this. <laughs> and so I said, every, every time we get together, I want to open up just praying for each other. And they're like, good, good enough. We're okay with this. And there were times there were, yeah, there were times when we we're just like, okay, everybody's generally pretty good. All right, now let's get to games. There was another time when most of the afternoon was spent talking and praying for each other. Yeah. Because that's what was needed that day. Mm -hmm. It's the same environment. It's the same group of people that was there every week. But just the one day somebody's like, no, seriously, I, I got some stuff. And everybody in the group was like, no one was like, oh, man, we need to get to games. Or, oh, why are you doing it? Everyone was like, all right, this we're doing this. This is here. We need to take care of this. And so much of it isn't, you know, so much of, of dealing with this stuff is just actually opening yourself up to dealing with it. And I'm not even kind of going to be the one that says that's easy because it's not. And this is the part where I tell you about how January was hell for me. Uh, I'll kind of go into a little bit more detail uh, from the post. Um, As most of you know who have been listening, unless this is your first time listening, uh, my wife has bipolar. And what happened was, was that uh, for the longest time, we didn't even think we were going to ever have kids because of the fact that the medications she was on we thought that that was going to just make it impossible. But we we did some research. We talked to some doctors and they're like, no, no, we can do this. And so we got pregnant and we were super psyched about it. And then he arrived and he was beautiful and awesome. And it's so great. And then we came home. And my wife dealt with the perfect storm. Uh, she had uh, already dealing with the hormonal shift, messing with her bipolar. She had postpartum depression. She had a urinary tract infection, which basically added a physical, another physical element to this. Uh, like it was the perfect storm of garbage. And it basically meant that for literally the entire month of January, it was just, it was just a mess. It was, it was an absolute mess of her dealing with her own stuff her uh not even like she doesn't remember january the things that she would say the things that she did she honestly thought that all of the world's sin and death was her responsibility and for the longest time i was just i was just dealing with that like like this is my wife i have my 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 kid and my wife and I, I tried to be balancing both of those and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And so I started to let the release valve op- open a little bit and I would post something on Facebook or there was a group of people who I would text, um, just local people who I knew I could reach out to, you know, uh, th- that were just in the area. And I would just let them know, I go, this is what we're dealing with. And it was it was hard because there would be moments like what at at some point I, I've I've mentioned I think I mentioned it in the tavern if not I mentioned it on my own page like I said January was a blur for me too 
But I, I mentioned, I said, I said, whenever you can help somebody who's in this, do it. But if you can't help them, help the people who care for them, because it, it's a struggle. It's a real hard struggle as a guy who, who has been through it a number of times now when you realize that there's nothing you can do to fix the situation. There is no there is no activity, no thing that I could have done to fix any of it. And I couldn't let her see that I was being broken because that would only feed her anxiety. And so I would find myself breaking down. Literally, I would go into the bathroom and just break down and make sure that she couldn't hear or see me. If if I sat on that, (laughs) I, I wouldn't have made it. I did have to reach out to people. I did have to touch base and I couldn't, I couldn't deal with all of the the stuff. And oddly enough, one of the ways that I started to, to make a, a kind of a turn back to reality was that a friend of mine was like, I'm coming over and we're playing a game. And we played spirit Island because I just got spirit Island for Christmas and she knew I really wanted to play it. So we played spirit Island and just the sheer act of, of playing that game helped me touch base with the fact that there would come a time when normal would happen again. And yeah. So the, the thing that I'll just to kind of summarize that sometimes you just have to let people know that you're hurting and you have to be able to step into the fact that, yeah, you might be afraid to tell people you're afraid, but if, if you don't ever say it, you just sit on it. And, and if I'd have sat on that, I'd have died. And some, and sometimes, and to your point, how you were saying, you know, you just need to get around people. Sometimes that's the first and most important step yeah. is to get around somebody, to get in front of somebody, whether it's on the phone or if it's messaging back and forth, uh, but more importantly, if you're in the presence of other people, even that makes makes a world of difference. It makes a world of difference to know that you're not isolated with those feelings. You know, like what you're talking about, Mike. You know, going into a place and just kind of breaking down and 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 giving over those emotions and just letting them out. That while it does have its own set of, you know, it has its own therapeutic value. Right? You can't bottle that stuff up and you can't lock it down. It, it's still you still need that interaction so obviously you you grasped for that you went for that and i can't imagine that that level of stress uh, you know i i can imagine my own because obviously i lived through it and i on the flip side of that i can't imagine not being able to you know pray to my god i can't imagine not being able to have others around me i can't imagine not having my wife with me i can't Imagine not having friends that I didn't go to because if I kept it to myself, like you said, I would have lost it. Absolutely would have lost it. The lows that I've experienced are in such that there's no coming back from it. If you don't have the people around you, the, that, the, the people around the table, the, the experience of being able to say, you know what, game night's coming up and I know they really want me to run a game. This might be a night where we just need to talk. <laughs> Well, and Daniel, you mentioned you mentioned at the beginning you were having some. Yeah, I mean, it's for anybody that knows me in person outside of the mic, and I try to hide it a little bit. But if anybody asks about it, I'll tell them. But I'll tell y'all straight out, I suffer from anxiety and depression, and they don't know which one causes the other because depression causes anxiety, but anxiety also it's causes loop, depression. Right? 
Yeah, and it's insane. And the thing that, for instance, you know, I was telling everybody I I have a job interview coming up, and by the time this comes out, I already have the interview done. But and been successful. Yeah, and I'll have a new job. Knock it out of the park, (laughs) President of the United States. I'm just kidding. Um, But no, the the thing with me though is it's what I do for a living, and I I know I know what I'm doing. I've had people come to me ask if I want a job before without me even you know going out there trying to look for a job and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here it's just that I know that God has prepared things for me but I still have these anxieties of self-worth and that also comes from depression and anxiety as well I have self-worth issues as Mike doesn't know this for I, I have a tendency to text him, say, are you mad at me? Or or did I say something to you? And that's because of my self-worth. Because I, I, I don't think that I'm a good enough person. I don't think that people like me. Uh, I think that um, I'm you know, just a horrible person in general because I, I have no self-worth, even though I know I have a God in heaven and he's my father and that makes me a prince. And, and, you know, every time I pray about this to God, he always points me to the same two chapters in Matthew. But I'm just going to read one verse out of it. And it's Matthew 6. Oh, man. It's like verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And that's, that one last verse always gets me, because that's all I ever do is worry about. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough provider. I can't take care of my family. I can't do this. You know, my kids are back talking to me or something because I'm not that great dad. And, you know, and I have all these wonderful people that all the time, you know, pour into me. TR's one of them. You know, Jeff's one of them. Mike's one of them as well. But other people as well. It's like, no, dude, this, like my daughter, she may buy a time. That's just growing up. She's almost a teenager. She's going to do that and things like that. But yet, I still worry and still worry and think and think about these things. And and, And that's my issues. And I have to always go back to those verses. Because every time I pray about it, God says, read my word. What did I say? And And that's it. Now that's uh, very, very close to home, very close to home, the idea of self-worth and the stresses, the anxieties. I, I was, actually I was in a Bible study recently and we were talking about how, how the devil lives in the past and in the future, reminding us of the things we've messed up and the things that we're yet to mess up. Yeah. But God lives in all time at once. And more importantly, he lives in the now with us, reminding us of what we're going to be and what he's promised us. And it's just a matter of listening to that versus the, you know, the fears. Sometimes it's easier said than done. But I know that doing it together, all of us, makes it uh, makes it a lot more powerful, makes it a lot more doable when yeah. we're together. That's for sure. Well, I think that's where the Bible talks about fellowship. Yeah. Being together and the church being together. And I think gaming is a version of fellowship, especially tabletop gaming. Um, Whether you do it online digitally, you know, with this Zoom like we're using, or you do it face-to-face around a table, having that opportunity to be in the presence 
of other believers really matters at those times. Yeah, it does. It helps me out a lot. One of the one of the things that, you know, I always tell people when I'm leading through any kind of Bible study, any kind of passage, I always say that whenever you see something that's repeated, that's worth mentioning because there's an economy of language here. And if it's repeated, it's because they, they want you to know that. And one of the things that is repeated throughout the entirety of scripture over and over and over again is do not fear or do not be afraid or some variation on that. And it's, it's easy to be on this side of it and go, oh, yes, because we are confident in God and we, we know that if, if we trust in God and we believe in God, then everything's going to be all right. That's 100% true. Yeah, the phrase is true, right? One thing that I'm going to be clear on, and, and a, I'll just put it out this way because I don't want to badmouth anyone. A particular popular theologian recently said that we'll find mental health when we just pay attention to God more. It's not an exact quote. Mm. And and I've never been angrier at a popular theologian than that moment. Mm. Because that basically means that all my wife needed to do was really love Jesus more and January wouldn't have happened the way it did. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yes, no. I will, t- as far as, I will point to every one of those do not fear passages. I will point to the one that, that Daniel po- posted. I will talk about, you know, like God cares about the, the birds and the grass and, and all that. And why do you have to worry if he cares about that? Of course, he's going to care about you more. I'll point to all those verses over and over and over again. But one thing I will, we cannot end this without clarifying. There is other elements to this than just your circumstance. There are other elements that need to be understood and taken care of. If you are listening to this right now and and you deal with this stuff, there's a couple things that I want to absolutely reiterate, especially after what I've been dealing with recently. You need to make sure that you're talking to somebody. And if it's really bad, if it's really that that shake you to your core bad, I would recommend talking to somebody professional. There mm-hmm. is absolutely no shame in that. None. As no. much as I quote every one of these Bible verses, I will at the same point say there are physical elements to this. There are there are just intense circumstantial and emotional stuff to this. There are spiritual parts to this. The thing about fear and anxiety is it's not just a one and done thing. Like, oh, fix this, you're good. It is It is rarely just one aspect. It is all of them at the same time. And that's what makes it so insidious. And I'm pretty confident I speak for everybody here on the mics. And I, as I say, there is absolutely no shame. There can be no stigma about knowing yourself to the point where you go, I need help with this and to seek out that help and to get it. There is no, there is no shame. There is nothing that's wrong with getting the help for that. And I think one of the things you were mentioning too, is the physiological aspect is that ever since the fall, you know, we're going back all the way back to Genesis, the fall of Adam and Eve. This is not just about a fallen people. It's not just about the fallen spirit. It's also about a fallen world where death is now in this world. And that is a physical manifestation of the fall. 
and that is a physical manifestation of the things like fear and anxiety it's not just like what people will say in your head it's not like what you said about this famous theologian i think i know you're talking about and that frustrates me to no end but it is it is most definitely a part and aspect of the fall this physiological response to that yeah get, get the help get the help it is so important and and one thing that i'll also kind of go into that with is the idea that it's i i because i've hated this i as i've shared with you guys i'm not it my depression is not chemical it is entirely circumstantial it is built off of years of of emotional baggage that i'm still processing so even as a guy who doesn't deal with the the chemical stuff i can find myself in the midst of a deep depression and i hate it when people just throw scripture at me like i don't know those verses Mm. Like, I haven't written 30-page mm-hmm. theses on those verses. Like, I haven't studied them in the original languages. It's not about knowing these things. And one thing that I will stress to everybody who's out there listening right now, God doesn't think less of you because of your anxiety and fear. I want that to be absolutely 100% clear. God does not think less of you. think that... The fact that he knows that we are going to have that is the reason why it's mentioned so much in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he just wants us to know that he's there for us when we are fearful. That's when we need to call out to him. And, you know, he'll help us. But yet, you know, as, as I, you know, Mike said about seeking help, I've sucked help. I've went to doctors. I'm on medication. It helps. You know, and I still have to pray about it, though. Yeah, because, it, you know, it's just something that, that also helps me as well, because he is my great counselor. And there's nothing wrong with it, guys, if, if you do yeah. have problems. Yeah, you want to you wanna say Jesus is a crutch? You know, Christianity is a crutch? Heck yeah, <laughs> hand me my Absolutely. crutch. Hand it to me, brother. Hand it to me, because I need it. I do want to toss in. Because before we got going, TR is like, are we just going to just let me ride off into the sunset or are we going to do – and and I I want to say I, I cannot stop talking about how awesome TR is. Uh, we Oh, great. There goes my head. No, I, I will make – you better be careful. What, you should call your daughters over to the mic because they'll help me knock you down. They're not Aww. here. They're at college, Mike. Oh, that's – They're at college getting their own egos installed. <laughs> I forget. That's the thing. I forget. Mike, I'm the old guy on the podcast. <laughs> I forget what time. I forget oh, what time of year it is. By the way, I still want you and, and your family to play that Victorian role playing game when it comes out. The Jane, the Austin, Jane Austin one. Yes, one. We've, we kickstarted it. We'll, I'm, we'll I'm so fun. looking forward to it. But uh, awesome. one. So I, I will. I will make Tr's ego explode here. Um, Tr Tr is a phenomenal dude. Uh, he's an absolute beast of a man in the best of ways. Uh, incredibly talented guy. Literally, like we said, hey, we like we like TR. We need a backup. We need a, a, a third chair while I'm away. So then, before we knew it, TR's like, all right, I got a mic. I got an, I got all this stuff. I got some. We're gonna take care of this. We're gonna get on this podcast. We're gonna do some stuff. Like we didn't we didn't need to ask him to do any of that. He's just like, Oh, y'all need me. All right, let's get in this. <laughs> <laughs> he made sure he had the tools. Yeah. He jumped in prepared. Oh my goodness. He boy scouted this. 
bro. Um, um, the stuff out of this. <laughs> Be prepared. And TR does Cyclopedia for us all the time. Uh, it's an amazing resource that is on our site. Got us an any nomination. He's an absolute amazing dude. I'm so thankful. I it's like I trusted that Jeff and Daniel could get it done while I was gone, but. Yeah, TR has has absolutely elevated the podcast since I've been gone. I it was funny because I jumped on Twitter after hearing the first episode and saying I don't think they're gonna want me back. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just gonna have just gonna have TR just kind of slide into the seat and we're like we're good. I can tell you this <laughs> is a lot of work. <laughs> you want to take another month off? <laughs> yeah. No. No. Well, I know for one, and I know for all of us, I know that uh, TR, this will not be your last episode, that's for sure. Uh, I I think I'm now the de facto, when somebody's gone, I get to fill in. Yeah. Yeah. No, guys, it it has been wonderful. Mike, thank you. One, having a baby, you're being a great dad. Wonderful. You gave me a shot at this to make a fool of myself the first episode and then have fun from then on. (laughs) Clearly, you never listened to our first episode. My goodness. (laughs) Actually, I have gone back that far and listened, so. No, guys, thank you again. It has been fun. For those of you listening, I will be back. Uh, I know there's some time up ahead when some others are going to be out for a while. And, you know, they're trying to talk me into doing another video series on the side. So we'll see if they get me on the the camera and the mic this time. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. I need to shake it off. I need to get myself ready. Make sure I don't don't pull anything. Always remember, folks, God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. Man, it's good to say that again.